Welcome to the latest edition of the SWN podcast. I'm your host, WWE Network's own uh, Billy Strachan. I did appear on SummerSlam, the pre-show. Didn't know if I appeared anywhere else. I am joined this week by the very good Mr. Ewan G. Mackey, uh, a guest I'm very excited to have on this podcast. And welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Billy. And uh, I'm glad that we've both got up without limit, with limited sleep to talk to each other. Yes, um, my, my wife at the moment starts work, at, well, has to get out for work at quarter past four, so we kind of passed like ships in the night as I got up, as no, I went, went to bed at that time when she got up, so it was it was nice, strange, but nice. <laughs> so, yeah, as you say, passing ship. Yeah, uh, so I've got I've got my own can of monster here just to keep me going for the rest of the... Oh, really? I've got a can of rain here, total body fuel, the lemon stuff, it's amazing. Uh, I, I go for monster gives me the shakes, but it keeps me awake. <laughs> God, <laughs> so it could get a bit erratic towards the end. Um, so this is a, a special kind of bonus podcast. Uh, we, I've wanted to have you on the podcast. He's like, if I had a list of people um, that I would want on, I've got a, a list of guys that um, obviously I'd love to speak to. But uh, you, of course, would be on that list. Um, he he is without a doubt. My father's favourite wrestler, he's told me. So, oh yes. So this in, is in whatever incarnation. He's he's seen Sassel and he's seen uh, yeah. the very good. So he's, he's he's seen the he's seen the best bits, I think. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So it's going to be a bit of a wrestle podcast. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, but of the offset, if you're listening to this, um, we're going to get a little bit deep as well. But uh, it's going to be a, a good time. We're going to keep it as chilled as possible. Uh, I don't want anyone to to come away from this podcast and think that damn it got a little bit rough. It, it's going to be fine. We're going to be all good. I, I we'll, would never put you through that, Billy. I would absolutely. never put you through that. So uh, we're going to do a little bit of context first for for yourself, uh, just to get to know uh, the very good Mr. Ewan G. Mackey uh, and uh, your, your your beginnings in this weird and wacky world of pro wrestling, especially in Scotland. Um, so the boring question I start with everyone is. Uh, what were your first memories? What got you hooked into professional wrestling? Now, I, I've been asked this enough over the years. Like, as much as I don't do uh, podcasts and interviews too frequently, every time I get asked this question, I go off into some uh, like long war and peace-based spiel that goes on forever. I will not take up that much time. When I was young and I first saw wrestling and I saw cards being traded around the primary school playground and I saw like the Legion of Doom wearing like spikes, the barbarian holding like an axe and weaponry and hearing that Roddy Piper suffocated people with kilts. I thought this is the most barbaric and awful thing ever. I want nothing to do with it. But as I grew older, slightly with it, where wrestling's concerned, I actually uh, I got the Ultimate Warrior, uh, like Hasbro figure, which I still have to this day for Christmas from my gran. And my brother got Hulk Hogan. And what kind of started me on this ongoing wrestling, uh, which would eventually become a, a dream and a direction in my life, is I'd heard tell in the... Because at this point, I'm thinking wrestling is a, a, like, this is a big deal. This is real deaths are happening here. This is like proper Mortal Kombat, even though that game itself wasn't out at this point. Uh, I thought, it's so barbaric. Yeah, here are these two larger-than-life characters, Hulk Hogan the Ultimate Warrior, and I'd heard tell in the playground this was a tag team not sure what it meant but i understood these guys were on the same side and i thought well they look like guys i would back 
So I tried to learn more about it as time went by. And I ended up, as a lot of people did, came across a lot of these Hasbro wrestlers. A lot of my friends were into it as well. We get to like 1994, I'm 10 years old, and I think I've seen a lot of guys talking about it, and especially because uh, it was coming up for a Survivor Series. I just happened to watch a bit of wrestling at my friend's house, and I always remember it was Adam Bomb uh, taking on, a, uh, well, I, I would say jobber, but in those days they called them competitor contenders. So I thought this guy was also legitimate, even though he was kind of getting thrown around. Tony DeVito, I think his name was, something like that. But he was up against Adam Bomb, and I thought, wow, this is incredible. This isn't barbaric at all. This is like athletic. These men are virtually superheroes. And at that moment, I was totally hooked. And I thought, it was the way Adam Bomb came out. His eyes were glowing. Uh, he had goggles on. He had a, an amazing looking kind of nuclear singlet, and I thought it was so cool. And then the more that my friend and I, who I had for years, he would, <clears throat> sorry, the more that my friend and I would watch uh, the television, just wrestling would come up on Sky, I think it was Sky, Sky One or Sky Sports. I didn't have these channels and I would just get little snippets into what was going on and I found it a bit Doink the Clown and I thought that's it, I need to watch this from now on, I need to uh, I need to you know, have this in my life because at the time a lot of people in school, I knew who they were talking about now, they were saying Shawn Michaels, Diesel Reza Ramon and a lot of the time I thought who are these men? They don't sound they don't sound anything incredible. And the more I saw these matches, I thought, oh, as as cool as all this wrestling was, it was nothing quite like seeing this this clown come to the ring. Now I saw the tail end of heel doink into face doink. And I think that I, I'd always felt like a kind of a, a black sheep in my environment. And here I saw this clown that was beating people up and I thought it was so cool. And that's my earliest memory is watching uh, kind of the last little bits of heel doink transitioning into the doink as, as as he was eventually to become. And I just thought it was so cool. I thought it was so unusual. And especially when everyone was idolizing these, uh, you know, these, these big strong dudes, out came this clown who was ready to compete amongst them. And I thought, this is brilliant. There's something for everyone here. So, so, yeah. so you, you started watching pretty much bang into the new gen out of there when everyone had a job and everyone was just a larger in life character. Um, so uh, Doink, yeah. Adam Bomb, um, of course, uh, the, it was Three Mile Island he was from and then when he did the, uh, he did his wee pose in the ring, it came up with like a mushroom cloud because uh, it was yeah. the nuclear blast. It was, yeah, it's the, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's things like that that really grab you, I find anyway. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm someone who started in the Archie era, so mine was all very much character and based and everyone had a story, everyone had a backstory yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, so you, I, I wondered when you spoke about Adam Baum, you speak about characters, I did think Donald McLeod was going to come up because um, very much your, your uh, iterations of characters, uh, there's definitely that sort of uh, shenanigan based uh, movement to it, uh, moves to it. And Doink the Clown is pretty much one I would, I would like kind of say that would match with, even especially as Heel Doink and uh, Interface as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where did, where did you go from being the fan to trying to be a wrestler? Well, again, something I'll keep quite condensed. Uh, 
I remember not, I mean, I, throughout my time in high school and going to uni, I mean, I did drama and theatre arts in uni and I'd spent a lot of time studying like religion and philosophy in high school, as well as doing drama and English and stuff like that there. And I thought there was no, uh, oh, excuse me, there was no chance I thought that I was ever going to be a wrestler, but in my head, and they're playing No Mercy on the N64, uh, I imagined I would grow up to be a man about maybe five foot, seven, 200 pounds. <laughs> I mean, that never happened. But I had this idea that, that at one point I would reach this level where I'm like, yeah, I've studied enough and I'm ready to be a wrestler. And sadly that never came, but my mindset had always been through any means necessary. If you find anything, you can do this. And it was a couple of years ago, actually a couple of years ago, well over 20 years, I think, but I remember I was quite young and I saw an advertisement on a message forum about British Championship Wrestling having a training school and all these people that would be involved. And I think it was probably one of the guys who was at the school themselves that posted it up. And I thought, I have to go, but it was in East Kilbride. And I thought, there's no way I can get through it at the time. I think I was 15 or 14. And I thought, I'd love to do this. But I knew that I couldn't. And so I, I put it on the back burner, as I say, finished school, went away off to uni. And then as I left university, I'd been hearing through the grapevine of a wrestling school in Fife. And I even went to a show in 2006. And I had been to a wrestling show that was, oh, what was it now? It was SCW, I think it was SCW, years prior when I had been 15. So I thought, well, it's entirely possible. There is British wrestling. I just have to find out how to get involved. And all I did was show up to this W3L show that was at, the Windsor Hotel in Kirkcaldy, spoke to a couple of people, went away to live in Portugal for about three months. But then when I came back, I thought, you know what, I'm going to give the training a shot. I'm going to do this. And I didn't, uh, I, again, at the time, I thought, I'm five foot two, just over nine stone. I'm not going to be able to go anywhere with this, but I'm going to pour as much as I can into it to hopefully get something out of it. And that's kind of how I got started. As soon as I walked through the uh, the the train the doors to training I thought like I I can see a full ring here I can see people training I have to do this this is something I've wanted for years and I went for it. Um, and I mean the thing the thing is I mean you you're imagining yourself you're going to be five seven uh, two hundred pounds um, I think when you, when you see guys like yeah. like a Doink uh, for example who's totally different to anything um, you got to have variety when it comes to wrestling. I'm not sure if that's something you possibly didn't think of at the time because you were just uh, going, all well, these guys are huge. Uh, I'm just going to try my best and, and keep going. But one thing that I, I always find when um, when you watch any wrestling, whether it's Scottish or, or British or, or US or whatever, there has to be variety. You can't have six matches of guys that are all the same, black trunks and no character. So... Did you find yourself because... Yeah, no, you're, you're completely right there. I mean, I understand that you've got to kind of project a level of legitimacy to the audience, but at the same time, people have paid to see a show. And uh, I think a lot of mediums like football, darts, I mean, I could be entirely wrong here, but when I've watched them as an outsider, I think people do like to make uh, other, like the, the image or the, the aura of someone be quite fanciful. So that's why people get nicknames. That's why people go for crazy looks. And it's not so much just to stand out and be different. In many cases it is, but other times people really get into what they are doing and they embrace, I guess in many ways, I guess I know football is a sport, but it's also an art form. 
in a way. So I, I think a lot of people, uh, they, they yearn for variety. There's really, there's purists. I think there's wrestling purists. I think everybody should be John Fire, Chris Water. Don't even bother with a fancy second name. We want to see lots of striking. And I think as much as you don't want to insult an audience by telling everybody that it's, you know, it's, it's phony, it's choreographed. At the same time, you want to bring in a, a wider audience, someone who's going to really enjoy the match that's got four moves in it and a fantastic story. And they're also going to enjoy the athletic match that's got 600 moves in it and a story, you know, that you're selling this to people. So as, as wide as you can make it, obviously you don't insult your audience, but at the same time, uh, you're right, variety is important. And that was my, my intention was to not to become, well, to become cult in a sense where I would be able to override having to have any great achievement. I could just be different and be happy with that. <laughs> so, so yeah. um, Quick sidebar on that. You brought up a perfect point. Um, when I went to a UPW show, when they were in Bucky, um, I went with yeah. myself, I was myself uh, my cousin, uh, who's like, I think he's about, he's 10, but he's got, he's, he's on the spectrum, some like Asperger's spectrum and my dad and right. all that kind of stuff so yeah. when you come out of the show my, my cousin's favorite match was uh the for lack of a better term the squash match uh the guy came in forearmed uh, his opponent with a chain wrapped around his arm and that was it four seconds loved it didn't have to wait around he, he, he liked the counting bit of it yeah. so he was able to count along and that was the match finished absolutely loved it go back again because of that and of course my dad he loved your match because it was more of a, a say a play kind of thing. You were there, um, kind of narrating uh, the the moments and yeah. the people involved. And I mean, I go for the wrestling. I don't care. I just want to watch wrestling. So I was I was entertained for the whole package kind of thing. Um, so yeah, like I say, the, the variety is required because mm. uh, nobody's going to be. Uh, there's there will be people there that just want to see the moves. Some just want to see the character. You got kind of. Um, mix the two to to get a, a perfect portion kind of brew kind of thing. Um, exactly. So and you think about it like you you're a, a oh, sorry I was just going to say you're a, you're a fan of wrestling. You might end up going with someone who's not so much a fan of the wrestling part, but loves the the back and forth banter and the the story, like you say, and uh, your cousin enjoying. Well, and we all know who did the forearm as well. That was his finish for a while, but he. He was entirely there to to create that emotion, and that's you could watch. In your case, you could watch wrestling, and that would set you alight. With your cousin, he needed to see that 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 kind of a moment. Again, as you say, it it, it has the same effect. He, he'll go away remembering that. You'll go away remembering what pleased you there. You know, so that's the effect we're looking for. I would hope so. <laughs> So did you find that because of, of your size and, and you weren't as big as everyone else that you uh, more you piled more into your character, um, finding ways to to entertain that way as opposed yeah. to having to lift folk and, and throw them around like, like nothing at all. You had to kind of become a bit sneakier, find ways to work around that. Yeah, well, you know, one of my trainers said to me that I should watch a lot of old, this was years ago, I should watch a lot of older British wrestling because a lot of the flyweight, lightweight guys who looked, by the way, but uh, wrestling changed from guys that looked like your brother, your dad, your granddad, a guy you would know from the public, just looked like solid men that, that did an honest day's work and leathered people at the end of it. They went from that in, in, the, in the early days to kind of building up to these 
almost superhero-like physiques. And I think like I thought, I think like I thought, wow, Ewan, that shows you how much sleep you've had. Uh, I look back to that time and I thought, right, I am, I am not a large human being. And at the time when I looked like a human being, <laughs> I, I thought I'm not threatening either. So playing mainly as I did a face role, I was told watch British wrestling, but also think about the fact that you can do springboards, you can do all these dives, you can do flips and stuff. So be like a clever version of Rey Mysterio, be like a prankster, be a, a trickster. And at the time there was other flyers, like obviously there was Dragon Kid and, and Ricochet was around in those days, but what was known about obviously was Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero and guys like that. And the thing is, Eddie Guerrero got massive at one point and Rey Mysterio was still big, but when he was younger, uh, he obviously relied a lot on the flying, but I thought, again, I didn't want to have to compete with that being my only shtick. So I thought I'm quite happily bust out something that's quite cool to impress or to excite an audience. But I also want to get away with being able to wrestle a guy that's three times the size of me and still tell a story without requiring to, to take the risks too often. And it's not me being a coward. It was more a case of, I'd hate to be called a trick midget. And I got given that kind of a, a name because I was, I wasn't, there were some things when I was learning that I wasn't great at. Like I had a tendency to, uh, there was one lesson in particular where we were being told how to be flipped in from the outside of the apron into the ring and take like a landing in that way, like a flip bump right in. And I just kept landing on my feet every single time. And the guy who was training me, Alan Grogan, said, that's cool, but it's not what you've been asked to do. Just because you can do it, don't do it. And I thought, I can't help it. I don't want to take this landing. And he said, well, it's cool that you can land on your feet, but if a, a wrestler would manage that on command. It's just something that you'd learn to do. And I thought, right, I will push myself to not have that fear and that phobia. And what I realized is that it is cool, but what people will remember is what elicits an emotion. They will remember a cool flip. So do at least one of them, but also the character is what will stick with people. And I think that's why, like, I mean, it's not to knock him, but Steve Austin will probably agree in, in his life. He, he went from doing lots of kind of uh, intricate technical-based stuff and as he became the Stone Cold character, uh, he just beat people up. And that's what people remember the most, you know? So I thought, like, as a, as a character, I, I would, I'd love to work on that. I'd love to stand out. Because if I was just another masked character or like just a, a little guy, doesn't, there's plenty of them. And I really needed to, to, to break the mold. And that was my intention. I'm not as big as some of the guys. So I thought, how can I tell a really good story? And I thought, quirks are very difficult to pretend you have but if you have quirks and it's part of who you are apply it to the to, to the wrestling to apply it to your matches and i think that instead of me thinking in my head i was this young high flyer i thought well think about it you and you move very differently to everyone it's like how uh, you can some wrestling games didn't capture the likeness of wrestlers until they got on into uh, wrestling games with a bit more kind of uh, technically advanced so I thought instead of trying to copy what you've seen other wrestlers do, do this in your own way and make it work. Learn all the basics as well as you can, but don't take away from what makes you you. And I, I think that's what eventually came out to the trainers I had at the time who would say, you're very different in everything you do, but it's not like it's, it's not terrible, but you've got a choice. And this is the thing. This is where I made my decision. I got told you can, you know, you could wrestle like, every other person and get bookings, but you'll always be 
you know, you'll, you'll always be in competition with other people, or you can be utterly different and you will still be in competition, but in a totally different way. And you'll always have to remember that you will be different so that you're not going to get the same treatment as all the guys who do the regular run-of-the-mill stuff. You will be in your own little niche and it will be your own path. And you're going to have to pretty much carve that path out. And I thought, you know what? Getting lots of, of work and being one of the guys would be great on one side, but doing my own thing also would give me free reign to experiment and do what I want. And that's exactly the route I went down. I think uh, as well with, with that, that kind of thinking, like forging your own path, something totally unique, it kind of means that you can be slotted in anywhere in a card. So you could you yeah. could be the opening guy that, that gets the crowd going uh, because uh, you, you're just entertaining, you, you get everyone involved. Um, or as your as a trickster, um, you I just watched your match with uh, Johnny Lyons at um, uh, Regal Rumble twenty twelve. I think it was most recently. Oh yeah, yeah. And you were you were uh, it was it, was, it wasn't a title match because I think you were replacing someone um, very last minute. But yeah, I was replacing Mister Moose. That's yeah. yeah um, you came out and everyone kind of had a murmuring about you because you had your tutu and you had the the green kind yeah. of leopard print. And then by the end of the match, mm. everyone was going, oh, this, this guy could actually beat Johnny Lyons, who's, who was the big conquering hero. I, I think, was, was he the hero at the time? Um, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was... Uh, he, he was, he was and I think, like, I say, I say this in a political stance, this is not to knock uh, wrestlers on at all, but when, we, when myself and Johnny Lyons look back at that match, we always think, hmm, we should have... We should have given me a bit and given him a bit, but we shouldn't have taken it as far. He really wanted to give me his, his best, and I really wanted to provide for this big crowd. So we ended up, I think, maybe selling me a little strong and selling Stuart a little less. Oh, Stuart, Johnny Lyons. We all know the, the, the deal there. Uh, but my point is, is that uh, I look back at that now, and I, I'm glad that you enjoyed the match, and I'm glad that the people reacted, but I do think that we could have got... This is just a more experienced you in looking back and thinking, I think we could have got a better reaction if we'd, if we'd cut what we'd done, but we started to kind of empty out all the stops, which is something Lyons and I would do, well, before he decided to retire, which was clever because it preserves his body, but I look back at that and I think, hmm... I probably could have got the same reaction doing half of that stuff. But now that I look back and I think that, you know what, we really wanted to give them a show and then stand alone. If you would see that match out of context of where the show is, you would look at it and think, you know what, those guys, are, one of them wants to prove, that, prove himself. That would be me. I want to prove myself. Whereas Lyons has taken me far too lightly and has got to a point where he's thinking, actually, this guy might kick my ass. So... He's, uh, he's decided to pull out all the stops and him pulling out the stops won, quite, quite frankly, in the whole exchange. But at the end of it, you can't knock me for trying. If you look into the story of the match, you can't look at me and go, you know what, he looks weird, he was weird, but gave that guy a damn good fight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in that, in that case, it's kind of a good way to kind of, uh, and it's an open and shut story. We could have done a sequel, but in that regard, you look at it and you can go, yeah, you know. <laughs> that's that story told and it, it has us looking both uh, I, I'd say believable I mean I didn't do anything to to Lions that was too out of the ordinary you know I wasn't like disappearing in front of him or teleporting or no selling things that were done to me I was I took everything he gave and yeah and we got the the end result was him 
walking away, but he didn't need to cheat. He just beat me. All he did was he, he raised the bar. Problem is, at the time, in WrestleZone, as far as I'm led to believe, everyone had been falling to him. And I'd put up a fight, which kind of, I think, slightly didn't knock their guys, but I think it slightly took the story off course slightly, which was a little bit, maybe not selfish, but a little bit like kind of non-thinking on our part. We should have maybe thought about what they were trying to sell their audience as a whole rather than our little segment. I'll, I'll I actually, okay, John, that. So, nothing to um, lose on admitting that I think we maybe did too much. I'll correct you on that, though, because the match was pulling out all the stops like that, but um, it wasn't against the, the story plot point because the rumble came around and Johnny came in last and was pretty much immediately booted out by Crusher Crape. So yeah. clearly the match with you so it kind of took all the energy out to, for him to just go in, get booted, and that was him out. So it, it did follow a linear path. You know, the other thing as well is that I rolled... A, well, that's, that, I guess that is true. I will say as well that I rolled under the ropes in that event to fight James Midas, and I was counted as eliminate. Uh, as, like, as, as an, it was counted as an elimination. I had originally had another el elimination kind of set up, and the guy who was meant to eliminate me wasn't his fault because I'd already kind of disappeared out of the ring to continue a brawl on the outside. And I, I kind of looked up as I was leaving. I was like, sorry, I've just been announced. But I'm still in it. I'm still in the Regal Rumble 2012. And that's, that's not really mentioned. But uh, that's not anybody's fault. It just I think you could probably, in wrestling terms, disqualify me for fighting on the floor with eliminated members of the match. So uh, I, I can see that in a story context. So that was fine. Not like I had any problem there, but it was a fantastic venue in that regard. And Lions is somebody I've always enjoyed working with, and uh, I wouldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't say anything negative in that context. I think when it comes to opponents, um, two that spring to mind um, from, from me watching uh, wrestling would, of course, be Johnny, who would be one of them. Uh, the other one would be Mike Musso, uh, who seems to be—it's very much like an on again, off again rivalry that rears its its head in various promotions and iterations um, which leads to being the you being <laughs> yes. the, this much smaller guy in comparison to, to, to Mike and uh, but nearly every time you're the the heel so it's 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 going back to that using that character and, and making it a way to to make you believable against the humongous Mike Musso um, but at the same time, you being the one that's that's kind of yeah. taking them out, um, right? So I, th I think we've got yeah. a little bit of backstory. On I think. Oh yeah. Oh no, I was just going to say I think that that's what saves it. I know in the initial days, back when I started, this is very quick. This piece, back when I started, and Mike himself have all said, uh, like I say, back when I've started. I mean, like my trainers and and other promoters have said, just can't see you as a bad guy. Uh, and in Mike's case, I think you've got a sympathy. If you turn you turn villain, it's going to get you a lot of sympathy if I'm dropping elbows on you and stuff like that. As soon as we have our first kind of uh, match is with me as a villain, the crowd hate me. And I think that's entirely down to the, the character. And you, I mean, you've seen enough events, Billy, with me turn, not so much turning the tide, I'm not being arrogant, but I can come out and whoever's in the ring, even if they, they can't really speak or, or, or it was a yogurt I think I could make the crowd hate me ahead of a yogurt you know 
it's it's a kind of, it's maybe not easy, but I think I can be snidey enough, and not even snidey. I don't think I'd be mean. Mean, I would say, mean and and horrible enough for a crowd to go. You know what? That big guy. Good luck, because this little vicious guy here, we want you to do a number on him. And I think that's maybe what's helped it with Mike, because Mike would come out as as a very positive, like kind of heroic figure, and I would be out there to completely ruin that for everyone. So yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I think we've got a little bit of background on you. I think we should kind of go for the the, uh, the elephant in the room bit. And then we can yeah. we can do some fun stuff towards the end. Uh, because, of course, there'll sure. be the Kevin Williams special question that uh, he will not be happy if I don't ask it. <laughs> yeah. um, so the reason you, you said yourself you don't do a lot of podcasts, you certainly don't seek out to do podcasts, because um, you wanted to speak yeah. to me specifically because... Um, I reveal I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be an unbiased uh, person. You want to speak about the Speaking Out movement. I've said Speaking Out so many times there. Um, on June 18th, this all, 18th, round about it, yeah. it, this all kicked off uh, with, with names getting thrown around, uh, screenshots, accusations, and uh, I know myself, I, I've had some experiences which um, th- I didn't put out publicly, but people named them so it was it was it all came out in the wash um your name popped up a couple times and you wanted to kind of discuss that and and your thoughts on the whole matter um so i want to just leave you with the, the open forum for a minute for a couple of minutes and just let you um kind of pour your heart out, heart out and, and and say what's on your mind well Thank you, Billy, for that. And first off, I'd like to say, and anyone listening, in Billy's defense, do not give him a hard time for this. He doesn't deserve it. And he quite simply reports uh, Scottish wrestling news, Scottish wrestling gigs, and he does his bit. And a lot of people should be thankful for that because nobody, aside from a guy a couple of years ago, was really making the effort to do this. And Scottish wrestling needs a positive... uh, positive forum, positive news source, because what Scotland has as a wrestling scene is good. And what Speaking Out did, in many ways, helped aspects of that improve, because people now care about stuff that goes on backstage. And it's the thing is, though, context is entirely important. There is a difference between backstage horseplay, pranking, hazing, even to an extent, like, ribs and wind-ups there is a definite difference to between that and cold calculating sexual predatory behavior and what happened with speaking out initially when i saw all these names come out again not to knock any of these people i just kept quiet and i thought you know what i'm gonna butt watch out excuse me that's too much juice i saw all these names come out and i thought you know what i can see that I've been present with a lot of these people, uh, not all of them, but I've been present when things have happened, things have been said, and I thought, for some of them, this was required, because it's been going on for years. And then I saw the other side of the movement, where uh, people were looking for any kind of the, the sympathy pie they could get a hold of, a, 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 chair at the pit, the t- a chair at the table of the pity party, is what some others were looking for. And I thought, it's incredibly positive that real women and, and, and men to some extent as well were able to speak out about 
some of the uh, debauched practices that were happening and a lot of the sexual manipulation, uh, trainees being kind of manipulated and abused. And then there was this next level that kind of appeared underneath it, which completely disrespects the movement. Uh, in the case of things, when my name popped up, it's because of backstage tomfoolery and backstage nonsense. But it was spun in a way by a source that did not reveal itself, although I've got a good idea of who I think it is, making this uh, frolics from, I'd say, maybe about 2014, 2015, sound like it was the worst thing ever. And I thought, don't piggyback on the, on the back of this movement, because all you're really doing now is... It was like a kind of power struggle or a, I need, as I said, Billy, there's the drama llamas, the people out there that kind of, they feel like they've got to, I don't know, be part of the, the, the movement. I mean, there were some people that have got no relevance or prominence at all in Scottish wrestling or wrestling in general that jumped right into the movement and that was their firepower. But then I'm thinking for the real people, people that I know that had something to say and they, that's why they spoke out and it was necessary for them to do it because them speaking out was a way for the wrestling business, especially in, in the UK, to go, right, okay, we are letting a couple of things slide that shouldn't be allowed to slide. Let's clamp down on that now and make the environment more comfortable, professional and safe for people. That's how it is now. Years ago, it wasn't like this. And I've, I'm going to do my own set, my, I'm planning to do my own separate video as much as I've been told by one person not to, I I feel I have to do it because people who know me have come to me since my name was mentioned and said, we all know that's not you. We know you like to fool around and have a little bit of nonsense and you're really silly and over the top backstage, but nothing I've ever done is aimed to hurt anyone and it's not been, it's not been bullying. But if I think I go right back, right back to when I started, there was lots that went down and I'm not going to I mean, I've already kind of mentioned it to you in a message, Billy, so you know my chance to speak out has, has been and gone. And uh, it was a lot more weight. Like, I could, have, I could have gone on to Facebook or Twitter, but Twitter's so toxic. I could have gone on to Twitter, Facebook, whatever social media you want, and told that story. And maybe I will one day, because there's enough dirt on a lot of people. Are we, going, are we supposed to kind of whitewash our pasts? Wrestling a couple of years ago was, it was full of bullying full of uh, debauchery but we all stayed in it because that was all we kind of had like if you were to bail some people did bail i didn't and i'm not saying oh i'm a, I'm a poor victim but what we we end up getting is real people came out and told everyone their stories and they had evidence and they had all this stuff and they, they exposed who they were to further kind of you know to to push their point across it's effect then what we got, as I say, effectively we got people off the back of that going, Oh, I've been bullied. Oh, a trainer told me I couldn't do a move. And like, yeah, well, you're supposed to learn these moves to keep yourself safe. If you're not going to be able to manage to be an athlete in the wrestling environment, then why are people going to pay money to come and see you if you can't do the, the you know, the simplest of things? So when I when I look at that, it went from people being Holocaust survivors almost to people who have spilled their skips and have nothing for the the break <laughs> at lunchtime you know it, it was a it, it's it doesn't compare so in in my defense I will entirely admit of course I've, I've done some like really silly things backstage and we've but it's always been with people I felt we're up for a laugh and we're up for a joke and 
It's never been done to, to bully or to hurt. And when I look back at this Twitter post that said, might not seem like a big thing, but, and I think, well, you can spin almost anything out of context. Do you remember the time, Billy, I met you outside of Elgin and I'd, uh, we had that deal where I was going to eat your T-shirt? Yes, uh, you, you uh, well, I messaged you or on your Facebook page or whatever, and I, because I, I was a big fan of you, and I was like, um, if I see you, uh, if I get a picture with you after the show, because you're the heel, I wasn't shouldn't shouldn't be getting a picture with you, um, because because uh, it's all for the good guys. Um, I would take my shirt off, offhand comment, but I was actually just just up for doing it, and yeah, I, I did it, and you turned to me and went, "Do you mind if I just put a t-shirt in my mouth?" And I went, sure, go for it. I didn't care. I was getting a picture taken with you. So I was I was uh, outside Elgin Town Hall with my shirt off. So at that and point... We still we still have that picture. I do, yeah. It's, it's somewhere in... I think it's actually on the SWN Facebook. In, in you the, should uh, have it framed, Billy. <laughs> I have many but, pictures uh, already. If we, if we look at that... I mean, you, you know me, and you know that I do stupid things like that. But you could twist that if you wanted. Now, okay, I will admit, and I'm not going to, I mean, other people can speak for themselves, but I would wind people for they went out. I would be a pain in the backside. But then there's that. There's me being a bit of a nuisance and me being annoying because it goes further than just what they're, 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 they're flinging the accusation out of there. Further in the sense where, you know, I would wear somebody's, you know, if they've got a hat or gear or a jacket or whatever and, and appear beside them before they went out or, but then it's it's different to me getting chopped before I'm walking out. Me going out and a veteran, a veteran, little inverted commas, not selling my offense in the ring, changing the plan of the match and just beating the shit out of me. Sorry, I swore. I don't know if we can beat that away, but that's that's my annoyance coming out. Me trying to walk out and my music hitting and somebody grabbing the back of my jacket through the curtains and making sure that I would look the idiot as I walk out taking the shirt off my back and chopping me profusely before a show begins. So when I go out, I'm bruised and black already. All sorts of things. I mean, I could go into, I'll go into more of a detail and I apologize for getting angry there. But if you can hear my voice, you understand that the bullying back then was to make me leave. I mean, Mike has, I can't really say this now, even though I have dropped a, an S-bomb. Mike was given an F-bomb on his first day in the business. He was told to go away. It was not hospitable. And even in 2007, when I started, it was still not hospitable. I was five foot two. I still am. And, and lighter then than I am now. And no one wanted that around. No one wanted a tiny little man around. And the only thing that kept me by was a gimmick. But even then, guys could still take liberties. And they did. And it was to see if I would come back. And I did. If you're getting some kind of petty foolery and jokery happening to you backstage but you're still getting out there in the wrestling ring and being able to to, to live your dream of wrestling then you're fortunate uh, the people that have come later on in the business are so fragile and that is i mean god there's guys that have, that have trained in the in the early 90s that would look at my era of it and think you guys are fragile the further you go back the harder things were but even now everybody is so precious about this so this is why as soon as a movement like this comes out, instead of thinking, how can we make the business better? Some people go and make it worse. And the COVID's driven everybody crazy to the extent where they had nothing else to do. 
excuse me, in my rage, I'm burping. They had nothing else to do except focus in on the wrestling environment from the safety of the keyboards and the little rectangles that they, that they hold in front of them. They were able to source all, like, either people they didn't like or in situations they didn't like and go for it. What did I do? I sat on the sidelines and I was perfectly ready to ignore it all until my name cropped up. I looked and here we go. This is where context is important. I looked and I thought, right, I think I know who this person is. Calling himself Scottish wrestler for a start as an insult to the business. And then I thought, it might not be who I think it is. But when I looked at him and I thought, this is quite fanciful and, and quite interestingly written. And then I thought, well, if it is who I think it is, they've probably participated. And if I'm wrong, if it's anyone else that I think it is, it's been done deliberately for what I feel was a power struggle. And I will say that out now and out loud and proud to a lot of the wrestling environment. Yes, speaking out was a good idea. And it, it weeded out, not so much weeded out, it kind of tore out what needed to be changed within Scottish wrestling and UK wrestling and the world of wrestling as a whole. At the same time, though, and it's still going on just now, people running from on, on the fumes left by the movement still accusing people. Is an accusation a death sentence? No. Am I happy and ready to admit? Yes, okay, I can be a bit of a joker backstage. But everybody looks back fondly to the jokes in the past that, that we all felt and or that we all went through back in some of our early days in Scottish wrestling, like in the, the late noughties. And I look back and think actually a lot of that was pretty severe bullying as well and pretty nasty hazing. But then where do you go with this kind of stuff? I thought speaking out was all entirely about the sexual misconduct, which I completely agree shouldn't really be happening. But then if you're going to take bullying, you're going to take people messing up bookings. But we've all got something. Every wrestler that's probably been around for the last couple of years could go further back. It's going to get to a point where nobody can do anything, Billy. <laughs> you know, if we go back to that picture that we talked about, you could spin that on its head and go, oh, he tore the shirt off of my back and <laughs> chewed it and had me freezing outside. I felt humiliated. I felt I was unwell after it. And, and I know that I will never go back to another show in Elgin as long as I live, which would be lies, Billy, because you went to loads. I've, so, I've went to them all, yes, yeah. <laughs> since, since exactly. 2012. So, I, I want to get on that context thing. Is yeah, important. I want, and I want sources to themselves are important as well. Because, um, right, when, when, okay, I saw that same post, so I'm not, I won't lie about that. The other person implicated in it, I often found, um, well, when I first met you, I met you like in a backstage environment um, in Dundee. I would have been Ardler Complex. And um, I've, I found in context that you were the Joker, but you always, when you found your limit with a person, that was it. You stopped. Yeah. So for me, I don't like being grabbed or anything like that. I think you grabbed me once, yeah. you saw I was uncomfortable, you've never done it since. So that yeah, was but it. I think I've always come up and cuddled you or fallen into your arms or something. something oh, yeah, like that. yeah. You've, you you've like, done that. That's, that's, yeah, that's... So it was it, like, it wasn't. It was like a, a malicious thing or anything like that. You've, you've, you have. We've no, no, no. We've shared embraces. I think like that's a, that's a tendency. Like, for example, when I and I'm not going to mention their names, but several large wrestlers when they they met me in my early days, uh, would me up, you know, and hold on to me as if to say like, you know, and I I had no choice. Like I was if I was getting picked up by a guy that was six foot five and he's incredibly like you know well built 
and he's going to hold me over his shoulder. I don't have a choice. You know, I, I get picked up and put into different parts of the building because it was funny. Because small man being moved to other places, it's hilarious, apparently. You know, it's along the same lines of the Judge Rinder thing. Everyone had a bee in their bonnet about me being on that and picking up a child. Yet Colt Cabana picked up a child like a week after it and everyone thought it was hilarious. So I thought, again, context, you know, uh, and, and of course, we look at the situation where I'm saying, I'll admit, I'm a, I can be a prankster and a bit of a wind-up merchant, but I never, ever really cross boundaries. I never looked it. And when I'm on, especially in the last, I'd say the last five years, uh, I, I tend to just go in and do my bit because uh, as time's gone by, I've become very, uh, like, I think I've become very focused on, I don't know how many years I've got left. So as much as I could be involved with backstage hijinks or wind-ups, it doesn't, I don't think I've matured by any means, but I do think that uh, I've kind of got beyond that slightly and I only mess around with the people I know. New people I'm ready to, to try and make feel welcome. The more people that feel welcome in the environment, the more fun you can have just by getting on with people, which is something I would have thought that the environment needed. And I do wish that everybody would just kind of get on for a bit. Scottish wrestling has been is molded, but it's always getting shaped into different directions because people just cannot seem to see eye to eye. And if I look at this as well, and I'm saying this out just now, two things, and then we can move on to one. Uh, the people that have been mentioned that have had evidence against them that's damning or damning or whatever you want to say it, because I don't know why I said that wrong, that some of these people have been reinstated People on the television, not to knock them, absolutely fine. There's been, I mean, some people were given the boot in one of the biggest companies in the world. Other people have left Facebook, left wrestling, done all this kind of stuff. But others have just walked right back in. And there will be people that you will see in six to seven to eight months' time when wrestling starts up again on all the events, like nothing's ever happened. So what makes them different to someone like myself who has openly admitted, yes. Uh, I'm, again, I'm not speaking for the other people that are involved, but a lot more people are involved. It's a locker room. You, you, you know this environment, Billy. Not just two people have, have done a thing, you know. There are many eyes that, that can see and do things. There's many hands, as many people. There's, many, there's lots going on. When there's a joke happening, people will get involved, and a lot worse goes on. A lot worse has gone on. The other thing is, of course, is that what will happen now is people who hear this and think, I don't like that he said things to defend himself. I want him to have a bad time. We'll, we'll dig up anything. It'll be a case of, oh, once uh, I was walking beside you and then he was unpleasant. And uh, I feel that he made me feel really uncomfortable. But then I can say that. You understand people out there. I don't understand why you would. It's almost like an unnecessary attack. It's like, well, I'm wanting to take people down and we'll take this little idiot with us. And I think it's, it's not fair in that regard. Like, I could spin as many stories if you want. I could start telling stuff. I just don't see a reason. I don't think it's worth taking the, the, the intention of the movement and using it to my own means. I've never, I've never needed to shoot someone down in wrestling in that regard. I'll maybe shoot someone down as a person uh, because of the way they act. And I'll maybe shoot down someone as a wrestler if they were clumsy or dangerous. But if I don't do it to further myself, and I never have done really to further me, my main priority has been for the last five years, me, my health, and how long and how far I could go with wrestling without it being a hassle, pretty much.
Um, before we move on and, and talk about fun things, um, I want to go back to that post briefly because um, it wasn't just yourself that was named in that. I won't, I won't say who the other person was. But yeah. for, again, for context, I always found that other person was, didn't, didn't find boundaries. It, well, he found boundaries and then did his best to push past them as much as possible because that's the person that I felt uncomfortable with. Um, and right. it, it, it did, did several things to me that I've always felt uncomfortable with, but I've just never said because it's just, again, what benefit is it to, for me to say any of it? Um, but so I think when they lumped your name, because you and this person were kind of closely associated in other places um yeah i think that's that's possibly why because like like i said like from my experience and this is anyone else listening to this they might have a different opinion but from my experience with ewan like i said he would when he met you he would uh have a joke but he would find find where you're pushing where, where your point was where you felt uncomfortable and that would be he would know that would be the point and he wouldn't go anywhere near it or further uh, but the other yeah. person that was mentioned and implicated in that found that limit and went and kind of pushed past it or see how far they can go with before there was a reaction. Um, so I think by having your name, because you're closely associated with that person, that's possibly why you were lumped in with that, 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 that statement yeah. uh, as well, which... Um, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I will say, I will say, and not to defend anyone, although I will say, and the, the the part of the person we're talking about, everyone knows I'm a, a friend, a close friend. I will say that in in recent events over the last couple of years, I cannot I cannot def defend him or because he can speak for himself, because I haven't I have barely seen him, but I know that there is no real. Now, this is from my perspective. There's no real malice. In, in the intent behind things. However, I know that there are others who feel different. And I guess it's more, again, in the context of things, he's never done me wrong and I've never, I've never witnessed him do anything wrong. And if he had a problem with anyone, he wouldn't go to any lows. He would be loud and proud about it. And that's something I've always respected. And still to this day, I'm still friends with this person. And I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna hate them. I kind of I know they've been thrown under a bus right about now, as it, it's, it feels like, and there's been a lot of uh, negativity. But as a person uh, and performer, I think I'd always have I'd not so much stand by him to detriment of myself. And people will say, "Oh, if you're associated, you're just as bad." And I think, well, no, I'm I'm not in that regard. I can still see the the good in a person and still understand that they're not on the same level as the people who. have have done horrible manipulative controlling stuff but i can see why people would have a problem because boundaries are important and i i do understand why there would be an issue i i can't people do forget as well that whilst loads of people have been uh, accused of things sometimes you see the other side of it and a lot of people will paint somebody as you know as malicious evil debauched individual but uh, when you actually take into account that there's also a, a human being that's uh, facing issues themselves and has gone through a lot on top of things like this as well, you you have to kind of give a little bit of sympathy. You can say, well, you should have thought about your behaviour at the time, but again, context is the most important thing at the time. 
and it's not like untouchable like the the post said uh, for anyone that's interested whoever this person is hasn't seemed to understand that myself and the individual i'm talking about were underneath guys in the promotions we were in we weren't untouchable we weren't certainly weren't protected what they're not telling is that a lot of hijinks goes on where people just jump on the back of it and as you've said billy there are boundaries uh, sometimes people will cross those boundaries and not care the person that we're talking about, who everyone knows I'm friends with, I might as well have just said his name, but I haven't. He maybe overstepped boundaries, uh, 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 you know, in the last five years or whatever. But in my opinion, he's never done me wrong. And if he has done things wrong to others, I guess that's that's something for him to focus on. But he has not done it with malice in his heart, and he's certainly not done it to manipulate and control people. I can't speak for events in the last five years, but I could have decided to have a little cry and a greet when my uh, ring gear has been taken and torn up. God, Mike himself, people for a laugh, went into his bag and cut up his entrance shirt just for fun. That was a shirt he bought to enter to, you know, to walk to the ring with, and it just got ripped. That happened now? Oh, my God, you'd, you'd hear about it. That would be a top level bit of bullying, but that, that was just banter. That was ribs, you know? There's nothing quite like hearing your music be uh, coming on, especially when you're me in the early days and you're wearing your top hat, you've got your cane, you're ready to go. As soon as you walk out, someone stands on your jacket, nicks your hat and shoves you out there, chucks your hat at you and makes you look like an idiot. That happens in a very mild form these days. And people have, have got to understand, okay, there are boundaries now, but everyone is a little more fragile. Uh, it used to be a lot harder to get in, but there were less promotions, there was less wrestlers, there were less opportunities. Now, in case you've not noticed, people out there in the wrestling world, there are tons of opportunities. Either you, you get a slightly thicker skin, do you think Big John, Big Cena's sitting there reading every YouTube comment about how he's got five moves. No, he decided to add a sixth move to make fun of all of you. He had a thick skin and he got on with it. I'm not saying that bullying shouldn't be allowed when it's harsh and it's bad, yes. But stuff that scratches the surface, that's not anything that you can jump into the speaking out movement with. That is incredibly disrespectful to the movement. It's counterproductive and it's awful to the people who really did suffer. Like I said, it's, it's like turning to a Holocaust survivor and saying, ah, well, I've dropped my skips and I've got nothing for my break to someone that's gone through a harrowing you know, thing in their life. It's utterly, and it's selfish. It's incredibly selfish of people. So I wish I could defend a friend of mine as well as I could, but again, I don't have all the facts. Right, so I think... <laughs> as much as it, it sounds like the end of a, a, you know, a Shakespearean monologue. And I think we'll, we'll just take a breath there and just do some light-hearted things to, to kind of... Um, to lighten the mood. Uh, so yes, and I must say, if I can reiterate again, I must say to anyone listening, do not give Billy a tough time for this because he has done this out of his, like, his incredibly non-biased nature and he has allowed me to do this. So anyone who wants to direct negativity towards me because you're all there, all the, all the drama llamas are ready. They're ready to eat various bits of grass as they can and every other topic and move off into other fields and do whatever. But Billy should not be held uh, in, in any uh, in any responsibility. Is that right? I can. I mean, yeah, you're the one that's speaking to me. But I do feel it's not fair to give Scottish Wrestling Network 
or Billy Strachan any bother for anything I've just said because it's not fair on him. I think as also as, as, a, as a fan of yours, um, I could have easily just turned around and went, no, I don't want, I don't want that negativity. I don't want people to, to possibly put you into a negative light, um, which made it, maybe put, put me on the fence whether or not to, to do this at all because um, I'm, I'm very non-confrontational. I don't, I don't, I'm just course, I'm yeah. here for the wrestling. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think if anyone listens to this and, and knows from past reviews I've written and anything like that, that I, I, high, I, I hold you in high regard. And um, I think anything that I've said in response to you has been um, or tried to be as unbiased as possible. Um, and like I say, I've... I've I've brought up my own, um, my own uh, kind of th- little tiny minor things that's, that's, that, that came back to m- in my memories uh, when all the speaking yeah. movement came up. So we've, we've, I well, think, Billy, I, think I totally appreciate you doing this. But I, th- I think we, we've, we've done our best to try and keep it as balanced and as, as respectful and as possible for anyone listening. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's, let's, let's do some happy things before we we go off and, and both of us kill over it. and sleep. Kevin Williams has a question that he asks oh, I, everyone. Um, I knew he would do that. He, he hasn't asked me specifically, but we've just made it a regular sen- segment now. Um, it is, what's your favourite dinosaur? My favourite dinosaur? Oh, wow. Uh, I wasn't expecting that, but Kev loves his dinosaurs, as, as he does always like his prehistoric Pokemon as well, which is... Uh, which is what his teams always consist of. Uh, I think, oh God, as far as my favourite dinosaur, and, and this is, uh, I'm someone who likes to look at paleontology and stuff like this as well, but to, to narrow it down, a favourite, well, I mean, we're talking legitimate dinosaurs. We're not talking just flying, swimming reptiles. We're talking and about anything. dinosaurs. Barney was a, was a uh, answer a couple of weeks ago. So just dinosaurs in general. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, there's a lot of old wrestler jokes I could probably go for as well, but I mean, genuinely, genuinely my favourite dinosaur, thinking of one that's both fast and strong. You know what? I know. It's a Dilophosaurus. I would say so. And the Jurassic Park's got its, like, version of a Dilophosaurus with the fans and the spitting of poison. But uh, that Dilophosaurus itself in the film, if it was legitimate, if it was actually how Dilophosaurus would be, uh, that would be a baby one. That would be a young one because the Lophosaurus would grow quite higher. And it did have those interesting frills on its uh, face. Whether or not it was actually spitting poisonous gas, uh, poisonous gas, poisonous fluid, we don't know. I don't think that's, I mean, that's maybe just added to Jurassic Park. But we'll go with the Dilophosaurus because I had, uh, I still have actually a good collection of complete Jurassic Park figure play sets that I have actually in my flat. And I think I've got the Dilophosaurus as well. And it was one of those ones that actually roared. And the fan was, like, removable as well. And, uh, yeah, I, I actually really liked that uh, Jurassic Park toy when uh, movie toys were actually really good. And, and now they're so significant. They go for such a high price. I could never part with them, though. I've actually got the Jurassic Park compound as well. So the Dilophosaurus was always my one. It was the one I always played with. I find that's quite fitting for for especially the Jurassic Park one because it was a lot smaller. Uh, but for yourself, you have the of course the the, the hairstyle the skillet skillet 
Um, so it's kind of yes. So it's kind of like your version of the fan, and when you're wrestling, you're yeah. always kind of uh, spitting poison as you're as you're talking. Um, yeah, trash as the American was a uh, trash to your opponents. So it's it's and, a very fitting dinosaur. Bring the the black effluent as well. Exactly. So yeah. th- th- that's that maybe, maybe that's the future. Yunji uh, Maki when when uh, he's the the caveman version prehistoric. If I'm if I'm ever allowed if I'm ever allowed to return uh, to wrestling, well, I mean I plan to, but who knows what's happening in the COVID world? Whether wrestling's returning or no. But if wrestling does now, I sure hope to be a part of it when wrestling comes back. But I did at one point, no, this is, I'm going to be quick with this, but I had an idea, and maybe be poorly received, that uh, I would go to, and it would have to be a show that was willing to do this nonsense. I mean, they do stuff that's worse on television, so I think people can understand it in my stupid context and the way I do things, that I would, uh, I would be scheduled to appear at a show and it would be announced, unfortunately, and we could go extreme with it or just be regular. Unfortunately, Mr. UNG Mackey can't be here tonight. Here's a video message. He's been injured. Something's happened. And I would, I would appear on a, a, a video screen. Or it would be, I would feign my own death. I think that would be taken quite poorly. But I would appear on the video screen and, and be told, look, I can't. I've been badly injured. I won't be able to wrestle anymore. I've, I've, I've hurt myself. And, I, I, and it's, it's really serious. And I'm, I have to very quickly just announce that I have to retire from wrestling. And I'm devastated. And see how the audience would react to that. And then later on in the show, someone would possibly come out and do an open challenge. And an egg, would a big egg would be put onto... Now, this would be better than the gobbledygooker. A big egg would be kind of brought onto the stage as the challenger. And the villain would be berating why is this huge egg being brought out. And then the egg would hatch, and it would be a dinosaur version of me as Jurassic Mackey, right? And I would come out and the Jurassic Park theme tune would play or a, a piece of music like that. And I would sing my own lyrics on the way to the ring about stuff around me, what's going on. Like, uh, there are people in the crowd. They are looking at me. Hello, everyone. I am here. You know, and then I would get in and, and uh, wrestle as a dinosaur. And I'd have a tail on my tights and everything. And I thought that that would be stupid. But then I also thought it was brilliant. So I can see some promotions, crazy promotions in the world doing that. I can see other people listening to the podcast being like visibly like ill <laughs> and the vital organs hemorrhaging going, oh, how could he do that? That would make him interesting and we can't have that. But yeah, as ridiculous as it is, I could do a caveman version of myself, but I do think a dinosaur version would be <laughs> even more ridiculous. But yeah, so... Uh, I'm I'm definitely the right person to bring this this gimmick to as one of my favourites is uh ever changing body weight mass um masked wrestler known as the Bulgarian Baker. So oh, yes. <laughs> um, Can the, you imagine the, Jurassic Mackey versus the Bulgarian Baker? Oh god, I might die. Excitement. <laughs> um yeah, the, the last time people will might might have seen the video, but yeah, last time Elgin uh, had W3L in it. That was very poorly. I haven't slept a lot. Um, it was, of course, the it was the Bulgarian Baker versus Mr. Ewan G. Mackey, and uh, it led to a very awkward moment where my brother did not accept the Bulgarian Baker's gifts, even though it was his birthday. I it know was, uh, he didn't take the donut. I know. And, uh, <laughs> I think that was one of those moments, Billy, where I think, you, as as you know, as a fan of wrestling, a kind of a student of what goes on. 
you, I think you knew that, uh, you know, that proceedings there, obviously, because you're, you've been to Elgin a lot and uh, you, you, you know, your brother has, has been to the shows as well, that uh, the Bulgarian baker offering him a donut was obviously going to be part of the show, but I don't know if the crowd quite knew what to make of it, because it's very hard to, to plan in inverted commas a reaction to what you're going to get from the crowd. So uh, the Bulgarian baker himself, who's a, a dedicated W3L trainee, and he's getting somewhere. He's it's taken, uh, I mean, I'm not going to knock him, he's entirely dedicated, but it's taken him a while to, to grasp a lot of things within wrestling. But in that moment, I think he completely invested in being this character. Like he, he was speaking in a voice that wasn't his. He was doing actions that weren't his. And he was, he was ready for, for the, the thing to work. And of course, the Bulgarian baker changes size. You never actually fully know who it could be. He might put on weight the next show. I, have, I hope I haven't just taken the illusion away from you. But you were there. You, you mean, you saw it. I had to kind of, we, we just went with what we had. And I coaxed the, the baker back. And we, we made a story out of it. But we first, of course, had to get the crowd to understand the, the absolute lunacy, which was uh, a masked man claiming to be from Bulgaria forcing bread products on a on a man who clearly <laughs> didn't want them it was just you know, every, and, then every I, year. I, and remember i think at the end i put the the donuts the tray of donuts on his head not your brother the baker <laughs> <laughs> and leg dropped the donuts into him <laughs> yep there is video oh, you footage filmed of that, that actually. I, uh, yeah i did it's it, it's on the swn instagram if you want to go check that people <laughs> yeah um, but oh, yeah man. it's Every year, the, usually WTL come up to Elgin, it's, my, it's around about my birthday, it's the first week of July, so it's usually my birthday. And uh, um, my brother, who people won't, might not know, um, he's, he's uh, got autism, he's got learning uh, difficulties as well. So since we, every time the baker would present me with bread, or in one year, Kevin Williams uh, squashed uh, a tiger loaf and handed it to me, um, my brother would just be obsessed with it for the rest of the day. He would be like, where's the birthday bread? Who's Who's got the birthday bread? Um, so yeah, that, that was the idea anyway, that he would get his own. But no, it was just the absolute, you, you don't know what's going to happen with him, uh, with, with how he's going to react to things. And yeah, you guys definitely made the best of the situation that possibly, that definitely was not the plan. <laughs> well, I think like if we thought, if he accepts it, fine, but we are still going to turn this into a, not a pantomime, because again, we're not making fun of wrestling, which is the, the worst thing is that if, even though I've talked about wrestling, uh, everybody being at each other's throats and so much infighting, it's the outside world we need to kind of convince wrestling is maybe not legitimate, but it's the form of, of art form and almost, I guess, like sport meeting theatre at its most base. The outside world or the, or the, the, is the environment we also need to kind of convince not to be so jaded and negative about it but the if, if wrestling itself can't respect itself then what hope have we got but if we look at that environment there we had that whole i say this again it makes me sound arrogant but we have we have a situation where we thought whether the bread's accepted or not we're just gonna have to work with what we've got because billy's brother is going to be either predictable or unpredictable in this and he was unpredictable in this in this case but he was brought entirely into the the uh, i guess the the, I was going to say ethos, it's not the right word. He was brought into the kind of the whole sphere of the match. He was part of it. Like the Bulgarian baker was irate that this man was, was he was being offered stuff for his, you know, you, you guys have been offered stuff for your birthday and your brother was being offered bread and he was refusing it. So the baker was being very difficult indeed. So Mr. Yunji Maki had to have a 
change of heart and be like, you know what, I'm going to sort this guy out <laughs> because he's being very difficult to deal with. So I take the baker back to the ring and beat him up for forcing bread on people. But then in the ring, the baker forces bread on me and I've got no choice, especially uh, trying to make meat baguettes, you know. <laughs> so there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of nonsense there. But at the same time, the crowd were not going to see anything like that later in the night. And they had all the proper wrestling matches. There was a bit of kind of comic roof with wrestling in it, but still silly, silly to the point where you would you would look at it and go, it's utter nonsense. You know, it was silly, but it wasn't an insult to wrestling. There was still enough wrestling in the match to keep it in the context uh, of of a wrestling show. So as silly as it was, it was still a bit of light comic relief for the audience, which is important. It has its place. Absolutely. Like I said, well, like we said right at the start, it's, it's, a, it's a variety show. We went from dinosaurs to bread. I know, and I don't know how I'm going to get to jump to the next bit, but we'll do it anyway. So before we, we, we wrap up and do the social media and all that kind of stuff, which we've, we've spoken about in length, but we'll, we'll do your plugs momentarily. Um, although it might be a, a long time when I ask this. Top five favourite Pokemon. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, given that I'm a, uh, I say I'm a master, uh, I've, it's ever since these games came out, you think red and blue, all the way up to Sword and Shield, I've been a huge fan. I've got a trainer hat. Uh, I know a lot of people are, some people are fans because it was a, it was a fad. Other people like me saw an environment with, full of monsters. It was like chess with monsters, chess with creatures, immense. So if I'm to, to think of my actual favorites, uh, I think I might go in, in no particular order, although one, number one spot goes to Kingler, just because it's a huge honking crab, unreal. And the one I caught in the games that, that's cherished, uh, I was back in Generation 5, I think I was playing White 2, and I went into a hidden grotto, a big Kingler comes out, decimates my entire team, the only thing I can do to survive is to throw, a, I think I threw a dive ball at it, which is a, a ball you would use to catch Pokemon underwater, and I caught it, and I thought, it's a good job too, because I would have, it was a while since I'd saved, and I'd have to go back to the Pokemon Center and go back through the route that I was on, and I thought, I'm glad I caught this. So, yeah, I was glad I managed to capture it, uh, and I think another would be, I mean, this is the second one, I'm going to go for uh, Chinchino, just because it's a little chinchilla with two tails that uh, happens to throw rocks and seeds with, well, with the skill link ability anyway, it can uh, bombard things. It actually looks a lot stronger than it is. And I've just thought that it was pretty cool, especially as it was, some people will say, oh, it's really nothing to it. And I think, well, see, that's, uh, that's unfair to say for poor old Chinchino because it's quite, uh, it's quite underrated in battle. The next one, uh, is quillfish, which lots of people forget even exists, but I think uh, I think it's pretty cool. I actually had a, the guy who was formerly Switch, Mark. He did a lot of work with beads, and he's created me a pixelated version of uh, quillfish, which is on my mantelpiece right now, because uh, I think quillfish is pretty cool because it's one of those uh, Pokemon that just hasn't been given much. I mean, it had given love. It's been given buffs as time's gone by. It's been given better moves and abilities and such like, and it gets used quite, well, I say sparingly when it's used in competitive battles, but I think that uh, Quillfish is 
one of my favorites simply because people can't remember it. And then when they see it, they kind of think, oh, that thing. That, oh, wh why was that even in the games? I think, well, uh, with the swift swim ability, especially in the rain, you give that thing a chance and it will rip apart your entire team if you're not careful. So I like the fact that it's underrated. Uh, also, uh, this is the fourth one, heat more. And that's the uh, flaming anteater from uh, Generation 5. Now, the reason I like heat more is because it's very steampunky and it's kind of cool. It's tied with uh, Kling Clang in this position for looking kind of steampunky and cool. But uh, I think heat more is really cool. Well, actually, I was breeding them. I don't know why. I think I was trying to get one to remove Sucker Punch and it could only uh, learn it. And it was in Generation 6, even though it's a Gen 5 uh, Pokemon. I got to Generation 6 uh, and I thought, you know what? I want to see if I can do some shiny breeding and then my fifth egg i got a shiny heat more and i thought oh well that's awesome so i had mark make a a, <laughs> a shiny heat more sprite for me as he'd done with quillfish because i thought it was uh, it was pretty badass but i just liked its design i liked the fact that it was part anteater but also part like it was part industrial it was so awesome and it, again so underrated now it's been given a lot of buffs that make it kind of cooler and easier to use but People are finding love for old Gen 5, Gen 4 Pokemon again. So people are using them online or they're trying to find ways of using them. And I think the final one that I would say, and it's, there's a lot because some of the, the ones from Generation 8 are fantastic as well. But I would give it to Dusk Noir. Uh, oh, well, potentially Dusk Noir or Aromatisse because Aromatisse is quite cool based on like a Can Can dancer and a Plague Doctor. I mean, that should be my signature Pokemon, I feel. But uh, I think Dusk Noir is pretty cool as well, just for the concept behind it being like almost like looking like a ghostly genie with a bell on top, where its actual mouth is its entire body. And I think that's pretty cool. Again, I've got another sprite of that made for me as well. But uh, if I look at, I mean, I've, I've kind of cheated with six, but Aromatisse is, is really cool in the sense where it's, uh, it's based on two aspects of. Uh, of French culture that actually intertwine. If you look at the lore a little bit, uh, a lot of uh, people found themselves being uh, plague doctors who had the background in can-can dancing, or like that form of dancing. Uh, so it's really interesting. It's like a mixture of kind of life and death and it's in, in a kind of little fuzzy pink ghostly package. So yeah, I, uh, those, are my, those are my cheeky uh, top six. Although if I was to, I can't bear to knock one of them off, I think, because that's a, that's a team of six. So that would work. Um, well, Trying you, to see if I've lost. got any compound weaknesses there, but I don't think so. I think we're fine. We've got a, a double ground weakness there with Quillfish and Heatmore on the team. But uh, Kingler could take out any ground types, I feel. So I think we're doing well. You, you, Kingler was the only one I've heard of out of all those, pretty much. I, I, I stopped at Gen 3, I think. Three quasars, isn't it? Uh, Pokemon. Oh, Emeralds. Gen three. I'm trying to think. Like I've got. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like if you know if you remember Dusclops from Gen three, that's where Dusk Noir comes uh, from. And uh, I was, I was obviously Chinchino is and uh, Heatmore from Gen five, so they're both. Uh, Chinchino uh, is more of a, a two-tailed uh, well, uh, chinchilla that has the tails wrap. And the tails kind of come from its back. It wraps them around itself like a scarf, and it just looks cute. And Heatmore is obviously this this raging uh, industrial anteater, and uh, Aromatisse is like a mixture of a can can dancer and a plague doctor, which I think is badass. 
But yeah, Dusk Noir is the evolution of Dusclops. Uh, and Dusclops seen as more viable because it can use an Eviolite, which is an item introduced in Gen 5, which uh, not, not fully evolved Pokemon can hold it and their defenses are boosted. And because Dusclops already has incredible defenses, Dusk, Dusk Noir does as well, but the Eviolite makes Dusclops even more viable, which means Dusclops is used more often than Dusk Noir, and that Dusk Noir is the evolution. So I feel bad for it because it actually gets all the punching moves like Fire Punch, Thunder Punch, Shadow Punch, and it's totally badass. It's this floating ghost genie that punches stuff with a huge mouth in its chest. That's awesome, you know? So yeah, uh, so I maybe cheated with a few of them there, but uh, yeah, Kingo is always, he's the OG. Like you can't, you can't beat Kingo. Well, you can with electric attacks and grass attacks, but if Kingo hits you first, well, you're done for, you know? <laughs> uh, so before this weird, turns into- uh, uh, Yeah, a, a massive crab is just cool. And that's, that's all there is to it. So before this turns into a Pokemon podcast, um, I think it's probably best we kind of wrap it up. So if people are looking to find out about the very good Mr. UNG Mackey uh, and his, his weird and wonderfulness or well, past characters, where can people find you? If people want to find me, hopefully uh, the post-COVID world has a place for the of me. Uh, I have my Facebook, which I don't know if you want to just kind of Maybe you could tag me, Billy, I don't know, but I'm on Facebook, just as Ewan. But uh, you should be able to find me. I do have a, I, see, I do have like a Twitter, but I'd never use it because I went on Twitter and everyone was incredibly toxic. Uh, and that thing came up where everybody was like, well, not one person saw me in Geisley and decided I was copying Marty Skrull. And then I sent a picture of the time when Mar Marty Skrull was partly Marty. And I was, as I am, with my mask and everything, on the on the poster from 2013 and i was like there you go there's actual evidence he's standing right beside me i never stole his gimmick i've done this for ages and then i thought i'm leaving this environment because people are just negative so i do have a twitter but uh, i wouldn't bother looking for that but i do have a facebook and i do uh, i mean i did a, i did use youtube but i don't actually use that anymore if i'm really social mediaing i do it on my facebook and if you want to get in contact with me for whatever reason <laughs> hopefully not anything abusive be nice for goodness sake it's trying times for us all but yeah i don't know if you can maybe link that when you post this up billy but um, uh, maybe you could you could tag me in the post maybe you yeah. shouldn't but uh, you, you'll be well if, if you do that that's where you can find me people who are listening uh, and wrestling wise i hope that we can return in a post-covid world and it's not all going to be complicated and i really hope if we take into what we've talked about everything that was good that came out of this speaking out movement is uh, harnessed and used and we can all, I mean, we don't know how long we've got in the world in general. What we should be doing is chilling out, all playing Pokemon, even those who don't play it. If you don't play it, then there's obviously something wrong with you. I mean, grow up, come on, <laughs> play, play the best franchise in the world aside from wrestling uh, and Star Wars and Jurassic Park uh, and or Jurassic World. And, you know, add me on Facebook. It's not like, uh, and recently I've not put up a lot of stuff because I've just not felt like I've wanted to go near social media. And not because of speaking out, just in general. There is a wide, wide world out there. If you go to my Facebook, you'll see that I really like urban exploring as well. I've done loads of it. So if you want to see some uh, rubbish pictures of abandoned places, you can come to my Facebook and see it there. Uh, yeah. Excellent. So I would... Uh, I would recommend, and uh, it's 
it's been fantastic to speak to Billy. I feel like I've not spoken to you in ages. I've just I've seen you do live videos, and I kind of like I've not seen Billy in ages. I've not spoken to this guy, and it's been it's been good to catch up with you. Thanks. I'm sure we'll catch up a little bit more once I've, I've stopped recording as well. But uh, yeah, thank you for uh, reaching out, and thank you for um, being so kind of candid. And and I think the both of us have, like I say, we've, we've tackled this as as best as we can. So uh, again, thank you for. For joining us, this is the Mister uh, Mister. Oh, it went so well. The very the good Mister Yuji Maki. Um, I've been Billy on the SWM podcast. Uh, remember, you can check me out on WWE Network. I am a WWE Network superstar. If you check out the SummerSlam 2020 kickoff panel, uh, He's there. He's I'm there. I'm there. Whole face. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for joining us. 